This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Flurkins, welcome to the Fortress of Flurkin. I'm Dave Flurkin, and I'm Brian Flurkin, and we're the Cape Flurkins. And this is the show. Just a couple of other Flurkins sitting here chatting about comic book movies. We've never really introduced the show properly. Now I think about it, we never ever Flurkin do. That was the closest we've ever gotten to it, and it felt uncomfortable. Talk about comic book movies. <laughs> That's what we do, guys. Did you know? <laughs> You know, in episode 177, I guess it's time to start saying what we do, right? Holy shit, there is a through line. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> well, there's especially a through line for what we're talking about today, because we're back in the MCU, baby! Oh, yeah. The throughest of Flurkin lines. That's right, and we are talking about Captain Marvel from 2019, directed by Anna Bodden and Ryan Fleck. Yeah, the old Bodden-Fleck combo. <laughs> I put a little, well, Casey Case about that. <laughs> this is a long-distance dedication going out to the MCU. <laughs> oh, man. If you can bring anyone back from the dead, just to have, like, a voiceover for life. <laughs> for life? Yeah, just someone to, like, voice you. Not so much like a Randy Newman, like, left foot, right foot, from Family Guy, but <laughs> who would it be? Who would you want to narrate your life? You're like, you're in a weird, stranger-than-fiction situation, Will Ferrell. And you don't want Emma Thompson doing it. Is that how that movie goes? I'm pretty sure it's close. That, that sounds... Close enough, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, something like that. I don't know if this is like a Mandela effect or something. I thought Don LaFontaine died. He has not. He is still very Oh, no, close. really? <laughs> Who have I been praying to every night then? I don't know. He's only 68. I don't know why I thought he was gone. Wow. But yeah, Don LaFontaine. That's probably the right answer. And I brought back a corpse of a man who, didn't he like run away to the woods or something? <laughs> Something like that. I don't know the details. Welcome back to Naked and Afraid. This is Casey Kasem. <laughs> In a world. Why did he get naked? naked? Why is he afraid? afraid. <laughs> Captain Marvel, you seen this thing before? Of course. Opening night in the theaters and then several times since. I like how you say, of course. It's an MCU movie. There's no way I didn't see it. I love the MCU. You know, this is my first time. I popped my cherry. <laughs> yeah, and it still blows my mind. I, I was having kids in 2019. I was not having kids then. What was mm, I doing then? No excuses. No, I wasn't because Shazam came out a month after, and we saw that like weeks in advance. Yeah, we did. Yeah, that was a confusing time. Maybe we saw this instead. I don't know, man. Or we saw, we saw Shazam instead of Captain Marvel, because you're only allowed like what? One movie every few years? That, unless I sneak out when my <laughs> wife's not paying attention. It's like, what are you doing? Are you cheating? No. Yeah, with Brie Larson. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so what were your thoughts First then? of all, it's Oscar winner Brie Larson. Let's get it right. Brie fucking Larson. Goddamn right. Uh, my thoughts, uh, this movie is a flurkin' hell of a time. Isn't it? This is so much fun, and I had no expectations going into this thing because- I've learned to not anymore. I've, you know. I've learned. You don't feed the trolls. Exactly. That's what they You eat. learn your lesson. They eat hatred, and that's it, really. Just tasty, any form of tasty hatred. Nom, 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 hatred. 
Mm-mm-mm. It's very troll heavy. Not movie, but outside of the movie. We'll get there. Want to get into this thing? Yeah, let's just get into it. First of all, during that sweet, sweet Michael Giacchino opening logo fanfare, we're met with a surprise. Where the Marvel Studios logo would typically be filled with imagery of the MCU's assorted heroes, now is footage of Stanley cameos aplenty, the snapped and the unsnapped alike. Followed by the message, thank you, Stan. And it's beautiful. It's really well done, and it was, throws me off every single time. I know, you put that on Twitter, that it threw off every single time, and I saw that on Twitter from you right before watching it, and I went, motherfucker, now I know to watch for something there. That's something special. Oh, man, did I spoil a movie for you that came out three years ago? How dare you? (laughs) But that is one of those things that I didn't know. So I managed to, like, dodge something for that long of time. That's impossible to do. That's very difficult to do. The niche that we fall into with comic book films and TV shows is uh, (laughs) toxic, I think is the way you're looking at it. Spoiler heavily. It's a spoiler. Wow, words. Spoiler heavily. Spoiler heavy culture, if you could call it that, culture. <laughs> it's from my culture. It's from <laughs> my culture. Maybe that's why uh, you did it. It's from your culture. <laughs> We've officially uh, turned that into a true one-liner by quoting it outside of the movie. It's perfect. We'll go back and update the arbitrary score that we've stopped giving a <laughs> shit about since we stopped recording last week. <laughs> uh, our story begins on Hala. Cree homeworld, circa 1995 Earth time. Cree soldier Veers, played by Brie Larson, is having weird dreams about Annette Benning. That is weird to do for anyone not named Warren Beatty. That's super weird. For, you're right. <laughs> I'm not Dick Tracy, and I'm having weird dreams about Annette Benning. Her being in this was weird to me. Because when Annette Benning pops up in your movie, I feel like, especially something like this, something that's very out of her realm of what she usually does, like, so that sound was you scraping the bottom of the barrel. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, you're you're here now. Okay. Well, <laughs> enjoy your stay. Yeah, I guess this, this will be fun. I guess it will be. I, oh man, she's a treat though. She is, and I don't know about you, but whenever I have weird dreams about Annette Benning, I go talk to Jude Law about it. Typically, that's who I go to for any dream I have. He's a good listener. Fears goes. She knocks on his door. He's like, "What are you doing? It's the middle of the night." And she's like, "Having weird Annette Benning dreams again." And he's like. Well, all right, what do you want me to do about it? We got tabs that'll help you go to sleep. And she's like, yeah, but then I'll be asleep. You want to fight about it? Which sounds like a euphemism, but it's not. She actually wants to fight. And then they do the fight. They fight. They do the fight, which is, again, not a euphemism. Nope. Jude Law, a.k.a. Jan Rog, is training Veers and preaching, controlling her emotions, fighting with her head instead of her heart. Which I like quite a bit because usually it's the other way around. It is usually the other way around, and... It doesn't feel weird that he's preaching the opposite, because, you know, these are alien people. Exactly. We'll get there. Veers then has a meeting with the Kree AI overlord, the Supreme Intelligence, who takes the form of somebody important to whomever it speaks. For Veers, this is once again Annette Benning. <laughs> but Veers has no fucking clue who this is. <laughs> no, and that's just so insane to me. Just the thought it's... of someone important, and then just Annette Benning pops up in your dream, you're like, who Why? are you? <laughs> Why are you important to me, Annette Benning? <laughs> This is like twice in one day that you've popped up in in my face saying I'm important to you, but you don't know who I am. Maybe she doesn't want to go to sleep because she's dreaming about Annette Benning, and every time she goes to sleep, Warren Beatty sneaks in and says, enemy of my enemy is my friend, or the enemy of my enemy is my enemy. Or <laughs> the, the enemy of my enemy's enemy is also my enemy. The enemy of my enemy's enemy. Enemy is probably neutral. The enema point. of my enemy is what? 
What? <laughs> wake up, wake up, wake up! My friend? No. <laughs> anyway, the Supreme Intelligence authorizes Veers to go on her first mission with the Star Force, which consists of Jan Rog, again, Jude Law, Minerva, played by Gemma fucking Chan. She's here for the first time in the MCU, and the only time blue. Right? <laughs> Carafe. He's back from the Guardians movies. Juman fucking Hansu. Bron Char, played by Room Tempty. He's a guy. And Atlas, played by Algenis Perez Soto, who's also a, a blue guy. That's right. Another guy. So there's a long war waging between the Kree and a shape-shifting species known as the Skrulls. Jan Rog gives the Star Force this briefing about how their mission is to go and rescue this kidnapped Kree operative named Solar. And the team go, they infiltrate this planet called Torfa. But they realize that the Torfin natives are Skrulls in disguise and that the whole mission has been an ambush. Now, just right there, I'm exhausted already. Yeah. Because that is just exposition heavy. And I think that's one of the biggest issues with this movie is you have the MCU building up to this massive thing that is endgame. And then you just dump a lot <laughs> in a whole new world all over our faces. Yeah. It's just like, hey, we're going to take a pause in between these two movies and just give you a whole lot of new stuff you need to know about. It's a lot. Veers is abducted by Skrull General Talos, played by Ben fucking Mendelssohn. A couple more fuckings would be very appropriate, but let's keep this shorter if we can. That'd be perfect. <laughs> Talos takes her to a Skrull spacecraft while the rest of the Star Force retreat. On the spacecraft, Talos gains access to Veers' memories from various points of her life, playing like some kind of eternal fuckery of the spotless mind. <laughs> Oh, that's very good, because I could just imagine her underneath the table and then Annette Benning sitting at the table and just like, what the, what? Hold on a second again. <laughs> you again. But get this, all of these memories are human memories. What? Yeah, it's kind of nice, but it's kind of called for, I guess. Yeah, and I love that the whole time you're hearing Talos, just Ben Mendelsohn basically narrating all these memories going like, are you as confused as I am? What the hell's going on here? Like, oh, go deeper. Go farther than that. Okay, stop there. It's I actually think this is a terrific way to do it. It's so well done. And Annette Benning once again makes an appearance, but this time as Dr. Wendy Lawson of Project Pegasus. So, you know, we can stop calling her Annette Benning now. She has a character name. <laughs> I'm still going to call her Annette Benning. Veers awakens and hears Talos revealing he wants information from her memory pertaining to a light speed engine. And that's when she breaks out of her restraints and just whoops a whole bunch of scrawl ass all up and down the spaceship while her hands are still in these giant metal cylinders. She, like, heats these things up, and then she just goes to town on everybody. She's not messing around. Barefoot running on a spaceship, punching people with her giant metal arms. Well, that's how you know she's a hero. Whenever you go John McClane, fully John McClane, it's make true. your little fists on the carpet just to calm <laughs> your ass down. Fists with your toes. That's it. Fists it's on. with your toes. She eventually leaves the ship in an escape pod, but she's shot out of the craft and falls to planet C-53 below, followed by a team of Skrulls. C-53, of course, being Earth. Welcome to Earth. Welcome to Earth. Got the urge to slap after saying that. <laughs> Dave, uh, I think we have to have a talk with our listeners because I know you submitted some actual caped IMDb trivia facts. I think they all got declined. I did, and they all got declined. It's like someone started paying attention now. You've finally been caught, and they're on to you. And they weren't even that buck wild. Well, some of them were. 
But <laughs> they all got declined. They're on to me. So we're going to have to have a call to action listeners because clearly I need to create burner email addresses at this point. Again, for my <laughs> wife to stumble upon and be like, hey, you cheating on me? And I'll be like, no, it's just no. for IMDb purposes. I, right? I, just have to, I just have to submit my IMDb facts clandestinely. I need to have goof em ups in my life, honey, or else daddy's going to get angry. <laughs> so, yeah, submit your IMDb trivia facts so we're not just relying on Dave and IMDb catching him and allowing his facts to go through. It's real easy. I'm going to make one up on the spot right now. It's ironic that Annette Benning is playing both the deceased Dr. Wendy Lawson and the Supreme Intelligence because before acting, Harrison Ford was a carpenter. That's <laughs> so perfect. <laughs> they should all end that way if you write in. It's like the surefire way to get it approved. <laughs> but if you can get to Harrison Ford being a carpenter or Viggo Mortensen breaking his toe. Yes. That's the <laughs> fact. The from two towers. Uh, yeah, so it's just, you know, make it fun. Make it easy to spot, but make it believable so IMDb approves it. Barely believable. Barely, Barely believable. Because I was so infuriated after Brian's like, hey, did you submit any? Because a little peek behind the curtain. Brian checks sometimes with me about how many I submitted. I'll be like, I don't know. I submitted like six or seven. I submitted four for this. And he's like, I don't see any. Nothing. So I had to go check and I sent him all my declined. Because I want you to know where the bar is, or if I'm just busted. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, I do have a Cape trivia fact right now that has been declined, just to twist just the so knife. We know. Thank you. Thank you for that. It has been scientifically proven that if this film makes you feel uncomfortable, then you suffer from little wiener syndrome. It's true. Your wiener is so little. Now, here's another a peek behind the peek behind the curtains. I have a feeling that IMDb flags anything that has the word wiener in it. Well, they flagged it when I tried spelling it E-I first to kind of, you know, have sure. shenanigans to try to slip in there. I was like, talking about slipping in there with a wiener joke, but <laughs> I, I made it the right way. And that's probably why that one got declined. Yes. Yeah. Any, any kind of a reference to anatomy generally gets flagged and not instantly approved. So. All right. So there you go. Maybe limit the anatomy ones. This is maybe a, a how-to IMDb <laughs> trivia submit. I don't know. This week, we're talking about Captain Marvel and also how to <laughs> word your IMDb trivia facts <laughs> so they get approved. Don't bring up little wieners. <laughs> Step one. Don't bring up any wieners. Yeah, leave the wieners out of it. Size actually probably isn't really important when it comes to this. In life, though, it's <laughs> right. extremely important. Everywhere else, it's important as hell. Veers and the Skrulls crash in Los Angeles. While Talos, Talos, that's... Pff. It doesn't matter. It's While a scroll. Tables, you could just say, scroll. I didn't know. When King Skrull Ben Mendelssohn and the other <laughs> Skrulls assume the appearance of surfers on the beach, Veers is over here crashing through the roof of a strip mall blockbuster video. Oh, the nostalgia, man. And that's how you know it's the 90s. That's exactly how you know it's the 90s. After a brief encounter with a security guard, Veers contacts Jan Rog, who tells her it's going to take the Star Force 22 whole hours to arrive on Earth. So. That's not bad. Really like, not. I bet Tom Hanks Castaway is like 22 hours. Wow. That sounds real rough. Yeah. Oh, here's a volleyball. Blockbuster. Try not to fuck it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Is that what he did with know. the volleyball in that? 
Yeah, I think so. And it only took it took him twenty two hours. No, he just he rubbed himself raw, and that's how he got the blood on his hand. And he slapped it on the <laughs> volleyball. He's like, "Oh, I'm no, pretty that sure that's face. it." Yeah, we're only four hours in. <laughs> Don't use dick juice to make faces. That's uh, I'm to be. Fact number two of wow. what not to do, right? Don't, yeah, for sure don't do that. Also, no one's ever called blood dick juice. No, no. Uh, I feel like the immediate thought is a different one or two <laughs> types of juice. <laughs> there are multiple fluids that come to mind before blood. But hey, you know, whatever you're feeling. You can't hold me back right now. I'm declined. That's right. You can't hold me back. I got nothing to lose, IMDb. <laughs> Not at this point. Your family-friendly Dave, is he's dead. <laughs> Used to only talk about robots shooting people in the dicks for kills, but no, no, no. No, not any longer. <laughs> not any longer. Now we're talking about all the dick juices. That's right. Starting with the most obvious one, blood. Can you imagine what would have happened if Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis had said dick juice three times in a haunted house? <laughs> um... I don't know, but I don't think I want to see that version of Michael Keaton. <laughs> what even look like? Blood. I think we're going with blood. Oh, man. His head is just way too big, but his feet are also just like engorged. <laughs> hey, hey, you looking at my veins? We might have to talk about Beetlejuice one day. Oh, that would be fun. As long as we don't have to talk about dick juice anymore. <laughs> So Veers has attracted the attention of S.H.I.E.L.D. You remember S.H.I.E.L.D.? Agents Nick Fury, played by Samuel L. fucking Jackson, and Phil Coulson, played by Clark fucking Greg, they're both back. Oh, yeah. They arrive to interrogate Veers, dismissing her claims of being a Kree and the Skrulls arriving on Earth and all this. But fortunately for Veers' credibility, the interrogation is interrupted by one of said Skrulls shooting at them. Yeah, it's not what you want. But also, it is good for proving her point about the scrolls. Exactly. So, take it or leave it, I guess. Veers chases the scroll on a subway train, which leads to all sorts of shenanigans, like Brie Larson getting in a brutal fist fight with an old woman. As you do. Right? That's just how subways work. I feel like every time I've been on a subway, even though it's an elevated car and this, it's not really a subway. It's an it's above-ground like subway, yes. It's like a superway. What? <laughs> Because, you know, sub means below and super means super above. Super means above, yeah. It's a superway. It's a monorail. Don't say that because certain people are going to start singing then. Good call. Good call. I do have an actual IMDb trivia fact. Okay. The older lady's stunt double during the train fight is Heidi Moneymaker. Oh, that's such a good name. It's a fantastic name. Brie Larson's stunt double is Renee Moneymaker. Whoa! So there are two sisters fighting each other for a lot in this sequence. Oh, that just made me upset. I was hoping you were going to say, like, oh, it's a strange Hollywood grandmother-granddaughter situation. And <laughs> the young one just slapped the shit out of grandma. <laughs> no, well, that would be fun. But it, it turned out it wasn't actually an old woman. It was somebody in makeup. Disappointing. Disappointing. Because, no, because hear me out. Because now there's an older stunt lady out there who hasn't been able to get work. In decades, because she <laughs> she aged out, and they finally have a role for her. Yeah, she's like, I can still do all the flippies and whatnot. I can swing around a pole on a subway, superway, monorail, whatever it's called. It's disappointing. Disappointing. Ageism at its finest. Veers also passes by a Stan Lee, played by Stan Lee, running lines for a little movie called Mall Rats. And Brian, there will be no discussion about Absolutely if this Stan not. gets snapped or not, because as we know, 
Thanos snapped out half the Stanleys in existence. Correct. This is the only true Stanley, though. This I is Stanley as Stanley, exactly. And I do believe that they had to get the VO from Mallrats, the movie yeah. itself, because Stan was just too old and oh, <laughs> I couldn't get words out. So they yeah, just his, used the Mallrats. His health was yeah. in such decline that he couldn't muster his trademark enthusiasm. So, like, Kevin Smith was like, oh, yeah, I've got a bunch of takes of that line from when he actually did the movie. We could just use those. Kevin Smith, scholar and a hero. A gentleman and, you know, a guy. A gentleman and a guy is so damn offensive, <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> I don't know if Kevin Smith would be offended by that. No, he would just be like, I appreciate you referring to me as a guy. That's all I need. <laughs> yep. Thank you. Go tell my mom. She'll say, no, Tiger. Didn't think that was that possible. <laughs> Kevin Smith, noted guy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> like all the comic book men, it was a bit of a stretch. We're really just a bunch of comic book guys. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Clerks 3. Go see it eventually. Eventually. When it comes out. That's right. This Stan, not snapped. Absolutely not. The Skrull evades Veers and escapes amid the crowd at the train station. And Fury and Coulson have been chasing Veers this whole time behind the subway, superway thing. But Fury ends up getting a call from Agent Coulson that he's still at the blockbuster. And it's about that time that Fury realizes this ain't no Phil Coulson at all sitting passenger side next to him. It's one of them damn Skrull imposters. You got him. You fooled him. You did a good job scrolling. So the two of them have a scuffle, and the Skrull is killed when their car crashes into oncoming traffic. Buckle up, it's the law. It's very lucky for, for Fury that he doesn't die in the same crash, but, right. <laughs> you know, plot armor. It's a bit rough when you know there's no stakes for at least one character. It's a, hey, I've seen you in future properties, timeline-wise. Right, and we should note that Samuel Jackson does have two eyes in this movie. He absolutely does. Two eyes the whole damn time so far. Although after this, he does have a little, a little, a nick. Right. A nick, they kind of like fury nick. Play with your ah, <laughs> look at you go. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of do tease you a bit with uh, eye a jokes, bit? with eye humor. There's losing a, there's an quite eye a bit of it. They just keep going and digging deeper. Like, oh, how's your eye feel? He's like, actually, it's absolutely perfect. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Veers decides to look into some of these. Bizarre memories that the Skrulls dug up. But first, she jacks a motorcycle from one of those smile sweetheart kind of guys. You know the type. Oh, yeah. She drives to Poncho's Bar in Rosamond. And I love how she's just driving all willy-nilly. She doesn't obey the rules of the road because she, she doesn't know them. doesn't know them. Why should she? And had she known the rules of the road, she probably would have picked up a George Carlin on the side of the road. I, I mean, that's what you're supposed Kevin to do. Kevin Smith-based. That's right. I have an actual IMDb trivia fact. I bet you do. And this is about the things that Brie Larson is wearing after she, you know, jacks this motorcycle and the, the clothes off that mannequin. Just the 90s is what she wears, I believe is what it's she called. Wear, she wears the 90s. The Nine Inch Nails t-shirt worn by Carol is a bootleg. According to Rob Sheridan, the band's former art director, the rectangle surrounding the Nine Inch Nails wordmark should be the same width as the typography found in the logo. Marvel subsequently reached out to Nine Inch Nails, and an official Nine Inch Nails t-shirt commemorating Captain Marvel became available. You know what? You've had an oopsie-daisy, and you made it right. 
<laughs> I just love that some guy was watching and was like, hey, wait, no, a, minute. No, wait a minute. No! That's not official merch. I'm making a call to Disney. I stopped the projector in the movie theater and pulled out my yardstick. <laughs> and that does not measure up. It's, a, it's off by a few pixels. I'm gonna need uh, <laughs> gonna need you to pay up. Ah, uh, it's a living if you can get it, I guess. Rob Sheridan. This is the most his name has been said in a podcast ever, probably. That's right. Every time a Rob Sheridan's mentioned, give the man uh, some dick juice. I, a ninety gets a logo. <laughs> That's I suppose correct. Fury and his superior officer, Agent Keller, also played by Ben Mendelssohn. Thank God if we got double Mendelssohn. Double Mendes. It's the best type of Mendelssohn. <laughs> They're inspecting the deceased scroll, and they inspect all of it. Yeah, they did a whole dick joke, because of course they did. Apparently, Samuel Jackson improvised that bit. Yep, glad that didn't end up on the cutting room floor. Like, Let me just lift up this blanket. Yeah, okay. Good for him. He's having a ball. He's got He's two eyes. so Let much live. fun. They're like, ah, you know what? They're going to de-age me anyway. Let's... <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, they'll cut it so they can de-age me. Less. There you go. Go for the joke. He played games with the special effects and kind of won. <laughs> yeah. Keller authorizes Fury to work with Veers with orders to hold her in shield custody afterwards. And then Keller leans down toward the scroll corpse and wishes his fallen comrade a safe journey to the beyond because he's not an agent of shield at all. He's a goddamn scroll too. Yeah, they don't hide it very well most of the time. Like no. they're, they might as well just be like cackling. Like, do <laughs> you think he bought? <laughs> like, there's still another was? guy in the room, and he's like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic movie villainry. You're telling me that Ben Mendelsohn is playing the same character as Ben Mendelsohn? That's some deep shit right there. Blew my mind. Fury finds Veers at the bar, and now. Fully convinced the Skrulls are a threat, the two of them have to question each other to ensure that they're not Skrull imposters. And that's where we find out about Nick Fury's pet, Mr. Snoofers, and that he can't eat diagonally cut toast. I really love this scene, although you have Nick Fury buying into everything that she's now saying a little yeah. too easily for how skeptical he was up front. But then he also says, now you need to prove to me that you are not a Skrull. It's like, you don't know anything about anything about her. Well, the thing is, she doesn't really know anything about him either. So his story about Mr. Snoofers could be fake, too. But it's interesting because you have an alien, air quote, alien woman interviewing a human man and a human man al interviewing an alien woman. It's like, they could just say like, oh, uh, yeah, I popped a can of dick juice uh, back in the fourth grade. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. That's, that's a memory that's, that uh, uh, a human, scroll wouldn't be able to duplicate. Human stuff. <laughs> I have another caped trivia fact, a declined caped trivia fact. The sound effect for the photon blasts was created by putting an ansult pear and an old Cornish cauliflower into the Large Hadron Collider at CERN and smashing them together. The proper sound was achieved, but the particle collider was so badly damaged that it had to be taken offline for three years for repairs, and the ansult pear and the old Cornish cauliflower went extinct. Half of that's true. Well, I, I imagine it's the extinct vegetable and fruit and also the offline CERN collider for three years. Yes. But the two are not actually related. Not even close, because that'd be insanity. I had to look up extinct fruits, Brian. <laughs> I put that in my search history, I did and now work. my Google is like, oh, so you like fruits, huh? I'm like, I, not that much, Google. Calm down. <laughs> this is why I stopped Googling things. 
all of that true, except for the parts that weren't. That's right. <laughs> Typical caped trivia fact. I need to be clocked that immediately like, wait a minute, that's not how you make photon blast sounds. Now, hold on a second. I had an insult pair yesterday. You didn't. It was extinct in the 1950s. You fucking liar. Yeah, take that, IMDb. IMDb liars. Whoever sat there and declined these should get fired for life. <laughs> Work went into these facts. I'm going to give him a can of dick juice. <laughs> Fury takes Veers to the Joint Dark Energy Mission Facility in Nevada to look into Project Pegasus. And together they learn that Project Pegasus is the aforementioned light speed engine project of Dr. Wendy Lawson. But the project failed and was subsequently covered up. Veers discovers that Dr. Lawson was an undercover Cree named Marvell, and the only other unredacted information from the dossier is from an Air Force fighter pilot named Maria Rambo. And there's also a photo of Veers with the two. But they also meet Goose the cat along the way. Goose the cat. Goose the cat is a national treasure. A hundred percent. There's a reason that Goose was heavily featured in the trailers for this movie and got his own character poster. As he should have, we will get there. We will absolutely get there. I have another declined Cape Trigger fact. damn it. It hurts. It hurts when you say it. Yeah, I know. But gotta drive the point home. <laughs> we need more people submitting these facts, so there are approved ones, too. We do. So, so far we've learned. Don't bring up human anatomy. Don't bring up multiple extinct things or broken things, because they're just like, no, I only know one of those things that's broken or extinct. Yeah. Two, that's a red flag. Although, historically, rubbing different vegetables and fruits together to produce sounds has been a surefire way to get the fact through. So. It has been, but not today, apparently. Garfield was originally cast as Goose, but they did not use him as he refused to work on Mondays. Gotta work on those Mondays. It's when you start the day nice and early and you work towards your Friday days in filmmaking. It's simple stuff. Yeah, but I hate Mondays. He hates them so much! And we will get there. Yeah, we will. Sit tight. Fury reports their location to Keller, and a posse of agents led by Keller arrive, including Coulson. And when S.H.I.E.L.D. arrives, Keller calls Fury Nick, cluing Fury in on the fact that this isn't Keller at all! Fury goes rogue with Veers, and then Coulson lets the two escape. He's like, yeah, well, I don't see him down here, and even though he's looking right at them. And it's like, Coulson, good job, but also, shapeshifters, maybe don't do that. Don't do that! Yeah, come on, man, shapeshifters. They're everywhere, and nowhere! You know, a lot of Ben Mendelsohn's running around right now. That's not a problem in my mind, actually. No, it's not. But it, it means maybe maybe don't let people just run all willy-nilly and say, nope, not here. Because, you know, it could be. It could be. Or it could not be. It's very confusing times with these Skrulls. Knowing and not knowing is half the battle. Or is not knowing the other half of the battle. Did that's we full it right battle? there. Yeah, that's the full battle, is knowing and also not knowing. This has been the Cape Podcaster signing off for forever. We did it. We, <laughs> we solved, solved the world. We solved it all. Seeking answers, Fury, Veers, and Goose hijack a quad jet. Yeah, Goose is coming along for the ride. He's in the movie now. Oh, yes. They hijack a quad jet, and they head to the Rambo residence in New Orleans. I like his directions to New Orleans. It's just, go to Memphis and make a right. Yep. Head east <laughs> to Memphis, and then bang a right. Uh, okay, that's fine. Both Maria Rambo, played by Lashana fucking Lynch, and her daughter Monica, played by Akira fucking Akbar are surprised to see Veers still alive because, you know, they knew her. They're in pictures together. And she's been gone for six years. A lot of questions. 
And they should have all the questions. The two immediately identify Veers as Carol Danvers, a fighter pilot who was seemingly killed with Lawson in a test flight gone awry. About that time, Talos and another Skrull arrive at the Rambo residence, asking for an opportunity to explain themselves. Which is pretty bold. It is, but I like the way that you say they arrive, because it's not like they sneak in under the cover of someone else's face. <laughs> nope. Talos just standing in the dining room going, uh, don't panic, I'm in here, and I want a chance to talk to you. As you can tell, I didn't face swap anybody. This is yep, me. This is just me, my green face, my pointy ears, drinking a milkshake. That's right. <laughs> Saying hello. <laughs> What's with the milkshake, motherfucker? <laughs> Well, I landed on this planet, I'm missing a lot of my boys, and I heard that Milkshake brings all the boys to the yard, and my fingers just crossed and I find my boys. Just That's all it is. Boys. Just trying to get my boys to the said yard with my Milkshake. Boys! Boys! I love that Talos took the time to stop and get a Milkshake on his way. <laughs> it shows uh, just how great of a character he really is, <laughs> actually. It's like, yeah, we're going to show up, but you know what? I think I'll be able to sell this better if I brag if I the have situation. A- yeah, if he has a milkshake. And it, it's a really wonderful touch. It's great. Because the scrolls are not anything that you think they are. Or that's been presented so far. <laughs> exactly. They're so much fun. Talos reveals that he was in possession of a black box from the Pegasus plane crash. And I love that Maria Rambo's like, how? There's, they said, that, how would you get that? And he's like, well, I have this trick of getting into places I'm not supposed to be. It's terrific. And I love when they play the black box tape, like a lot. Yeah how they put it into like a CD drive. And then we have to wait as an audience for this thing to load because, because the 90s. 1995 technology, baby. Well, and I like how even one of the characters on screen is just like, there's kids born uh, after 2000 watching this thing. We need to explain this a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I like that the aliens are like, what's taking so long? They're like, you know, technology. <laughs> it's the little touches, man. It's the little touches. Talos explains that Danvers has been deceived by the Kree and that the Skrulls are simply homeless refugees constantly on the run from the Kree, on the brink of extinction, much like the aforementioned fruit and vegetable, and that Marvell was helping them flee. Upon hearing the recording from the black box, Carol finally recollects the memory of what happened. Recollects? That's the word. It recollected it. She, she lost it and she had to collect it again, recollecting the memory. Danvers was flying with Dr. Lawson to her hidden laboratory with the power source for the lightspeed engine when Yon Rog, having uncovered Marvell's deception, interfered and shot down their plane. Interfered. You're doing great. Wow. Your mouth is saying all the words. You know, sometimes. Both correctly and incorrectly. <laughs> uh, I don't like this to become a regular thing. <laughs> Just taking shots in the just dark at words. Frequently, just like, hey, I know what words are and having to explain myself. <laughs> I feel like we need to change our disclaimer at the top of the show. Of, <laughs> it's got some Nazi super language. And also, Brian is not having a stroke <laughs> as often as you think. This episode contains some made up language as well as not so super <laughs> language. Sometimes the words aren't real. Yeah, you think that you know the words? Well, maybe you don't know the words because that's the whole battle. Not knowing is that's the it. full flurking battle. That's called a callback. That's right. Or as Brian would call it, a clawback. I was going to say a ball cack, but that's, <laughs> don't do that. We already covered dick juice. <laughs> Welcome to the dick juice distillery. 
what you got to do is you got to put your little wiener in there, and then you use the ball clack. In IMDb is to- <laughs> not going to approve it. No, because you talked about alcohol, possibly. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know what they're approving and not approving anymore. Marvell instructed Danvers to destroy the energy core, powering the lightspeed engine. But in her attempt to destroy it, Carol absorbed the energy from the engine and gained cosmic abilities from it. As you do, yeah. Naturally. And with no recollection of her memories, Jan Rog was authorized by the Supreme Intelligence to train her into becoming a Kree operative. It all makes sense. Now we are in an entirely different movie. A completely different. This is like a... a Bizarre mid-movie M. Night Shyamalan twist. I loved it. It's fantastic. I absolutely loved it. They take the things you think you know, and they go, Mm-mm, that's only half the battle. That's right. This is a full battle movie, baby. It sure is. You sit down, <clears throat> and you watch the full battle play out. Talos can vibe. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, man. <clears throat> do I need to like do a wellness check on you? I'll send someone to your home right now. I'm I'm here. I'm good. I can feel my whole face. Nothing's drooping. I don't smell burnt toast. I think we're good. Are you still vitted, though? I am slightly still vitted. Got a little bit of the vid left. I feel like if I did like a wellness check on you, that's like a nice version of swatting someone, right? <laughs> like instead of like the SWAT team coming through your doors and windows and killing you over a, a Halo match or whatever, instead they they're like, hey, you good? Knocking the door. All like, right. You alive nice in there? Day. Like, yeah, I'm alive in here. And we're like, cool. All right, later. All right. Uh, we just wanted to make sure. We heard you said dick juice three times. So we just wanted to make sure that you're fine. <laughs> We've had a number of Michael Keaton incidents recently. <laughs> the man's been on a spree. Talos confides in Danvers that the black box of the down jet and Danvers' memories contained the coordinates to a former laboratory cloaked in Earth's orbit that contained the last of the Skrull refugees and the energy core that powered the engine. But he hasn't been able to figure out how to get to it. Because, you know, the science guy didn't know about stuff. It's in space. It's in space. They were like, well, they're looking for it on land. This whole time it's been floating in the atmosphere. And I love this. And I wanted more science guy. Because Taylor's just like, it's in space. Science guy's like, oh, man. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Should have seen that coming. Six years. Been looking for it. Didn't even think to check space. The movie knows what it is. And I appreciate that. Monica has to convince her mother to go on the mission with Carol, Talos, and, and Fury. She's like, you have a chance to fly the coolest mission in the history of missions. You're going to give it up to sit on the couch and watch The Fresh Prince with me? I think you should just consider what kind of example you're setting for your daughter and talk about a slap in the face. Yeah, this is a daughter who is, like, desperate to be orphaned, I feel like. <laughs> She's like, please, get out of here. Uh, you don't want to sit here and watch Fresh Prince with me. You definitely don't. Although, new episodes of Fresh Prince in the 90s? Maybe. It's probably a great thing. I pushed past the slap joke, Brian. I want to put that on record. I heard it. I pushed past it because this was like sane Will Smith. Yeah. This is like pre-Jada. He right. Had, he has not been jaded. <laughs> He's not been jaded yet. Give it time. He'll lose his mind gradually. I'm just upset that you beat me to the slap joke earlier. <laughs> I'm always ready. <laughs> How fucked up would it be if they brought back an infomercial for the slap chop? With Will Smith doing it. Um, you know what? Redeemed. Done. Like, the world would forgive him, right? But then at the same time, in the studio next to it, they're filming something with Chris Rock with the sham wow. <laughs> they say wow every time. Every time. That's it. That's how you, you uh, build bridges right there, is yeah. infomercials. And also, speaking of building bridges and infomercials, 
you bring in Bob Vila and have him sell some OxyClean. Bob Vila here! I'm going to build you a house <laughs> and then clean it with the power of oxygen! This old bridge. Uh, Bob, quick question. Um, are you being Billy Mays now? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> Fun fact, I have been the whole time. Bob Vila here! I discovered cocaine just like my friend Billy Mays did! <laughs> that white powder in my pocket, it's not OxyClean! Bob Vila here! Why don't you suck on this cock? <laughs> C-A-U-L-K, people. We're keeping it clean here. I know what I said, Norm! Now suck on this cock! Uh, I don't think so, Tim. Oh, that's the wrong show. <laughs> wow. You know what? I don't know what the circle is, but we did the full circle. The full battle, again. <laughs> knowing and not knowing. We've done it. <laughs> Now you either know way too much or way too little, and you're welcome. America. Either way, that's winning or the world. I should say we do have <laughs> listeners we do all have over the world, and it, and it weirds me out all the time. Somehow that we have listeners all over our fine planet, and to them, I want to say, help! America's crumbling. Please, <laughs> fucking help! Please uh, save us. Jan Rog arrives on Earth to confront Danvers. And it's about that time that he realizes that Danvers that he's talking to, it's a Skrull. And he swiftly executes him and learns about the laboratory orbiting the Earth. Yeah, that Skrull took a laser bullet to the chest for the cause. Good for him. Yeah, science guy, you know? You fuck up once, I guess this is the punishment. Well, now you're bait. That's the, the Skrull way, I suppose. Meanwhile, Danvers, Fury, Talos, Maria, and Goose take the quad jet to the orbiting laboratory, and Talos is reunited with his wife and daughter. It's a very sweet moment. It is, and the daughter's creepy as fuck. Super creepy, but she's got such pretty eyes. We'll get there. We will get there. Danvers finds the engine's power source, the Tesseract. What? Whoa! Throwback MacGuffin! But Star Force ambushes them and places Danvers in some kind of restraint that forces her to confront the supreme intelligence. That's right, we're not done with Annette Benning just yet. Good and bad, all at the same time. Yeah, and the supreme intelligence has the nerve to tell Danvers that she's only human. <laughs> Big mistake. Huge. Oh, it's an enormous mistake. Cue a montage of Carol's memories of standing up after getting knocked down like the most motivational version of a Chumbawamba song. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely nailed it. I hate you for it. <laughs> she removes the inhibitor chip in her neck that has been limiting her full power, and she goes Super Saiyan, and she engages in an all-out battle with the Star Force. And she kicks all the asses. All of them. But it's not even close. I have an actual IMDb trivia fact. Yeah, go ahead. When Brie Larson's casting was announced at Comic-Con, CNN ran the headline, Shazam! Brie Larson is Captain Marvel. Apparently not realizing they were thinking of the wrong Captain Marvel. Or were they? Because Shazam, the original Captain Marvel, don't forget it. Uh, CNN, you finally got one wrong in the right way. I've been waiting this entire episode for you to bring up the original Captain Marvel. I'm surprised it's taken this long. It's not about him. Wow. Did you just, did you just quote Doctor Strange on Captain Marvel? The original Captain Marvel, not this Captain Marvel? Shazam. You know, stuff. Full circle. Not knowing and knowing. Right, Brian battled himself there, and either won or lost. You be the judge. But either no, way, it's not about Shazam. I'll give it to him now because Captain Marvel's here. Carol Danvers is her movie, her titular film. Little That's respect, right. please. 
little respect, damn it. We'll get there. We will. Now, what I'm about to tell you may come as a shock, but Goose the cat? Well, he's not a cat at all. No, he's not a scroll. He's what's known as a flurkin. And the scrolls are terrified of this cat. They do not like this cat. They're like, get that flurkin thing away from me. But as a flurkin, Goose has a has a little skill. He's got a pocket dimension in his belly, which is pretty neat. And he has a bunch of tentacles that fly out of his mouth, and he swallows a tesseract and a few Kree soldiers along the way. <laughs> it's insane, because this cat, just a giant tentacle monster, comes out of its mouth in a way, grabs him <laughs> all, and then it's just a normal cat again. Just meow. I love it. I absolutely love this cat. It's fantastic. It's my favorite cat of all time. It's way up there on my list. Meanwhile, Danvers pretends she still has the Tesseract in her Fonzie lunchbox. Which is terrific. So good. And she's keeping the Kree occupied while the Skrulls flee. In a battle for the Tesseract, Danvers overpowers Karath and Bronchar and Atlas and all the other weird Kree names, while the Skrulls escape on the quad jet with Maria Rambo, Fury, and Goose. Minerva tries to chase down the quad jet, leading to an Independence Day meets Top Gun-style dogfight, but clearly... Maria Rambo is the superior pilot, and they blow Minerva up. She won no problem, really. It was no. kind of the quickest dogfight you're going to get. Also, uh, watching a dogfight after seeing Top Gun Maverick is just not the same. It's it's really not. Um, it's unfortunate, because it probably is a decent dogfight until you you watch that movie. <laughs> until Tom Cruise gets his tiny little mitts all over it. And then, yeah. oh boy. And you're like, well, I guess that is how it's done. Sorry, Captain Marvel. The good news is it frees Gemma Chan up to come back for Eternals. Which is good news, I agree. In a rage, yon Rog authorizes Ronan, that's right, the Guardians of the Galaxy villain, played by Lee Pace, is back in the past before he has, you know, the, the Zondarian blood on his face. Right. <laughs> so Ronan and the Accusers dispatch Kree ballistic missiles on Earth to wipe out the planet and all the Skrull refugees. But then Danvers shows up, and she just destroys all the missiles and one of the Kree ships and just makes the accusers go, oh, shit, let's leave. She's scary. Yeah, she flies through a ship. She sure Like, does. no problem. And she's destroying everything. And she takes, like, a missile to the chest. She's like, yeah, whatever. She's just kind of, like, stretches out. She's like, that felt good. Yep. <clears throat> Crack the old sternum. At this point, if you are not losing your mind at seeing this hero, you're doing it wrong. Absolutely. She is kicking all of the ass, and it's amazing. Yon Rog arrives on Earth and challenges Danvers to a fair duel. And I love these interactions, these micro interactions they have this whole time while they're fighting because Jude Law keeps like smirking. He's like, ah, I really don't like you right now, but I do. Like, you are, you're good, uh, but I hate you. Jude Law is what you call a very good actor. Yeah, and, and he's, he's given this subtlety to this like, Ah, fucking Veers, you're doing it. Well, it's interesting because of what Brie Larson does throughout this entire movie. And this is Oscar winner Brie Larson making yes. some enormous choices. Yes. And that choice, for the most part, gives the look of not making a choice. I think that's said exactly right. What she does in this movie, it's not even so much like negative acting where you kind of play it straight like an Alfred Hitchcock film, and then you edit around it in order to kind of build the tension around it. But she's playing it straight a lot of the time because it's almost like she's a person out of race almost. 
Yeah. Like she yeah. is a human, but she also is a Cree. She doesn't really know how to react. Like I, you have to figure an alien race isn't going to react the same way that a human race is going to act. Right. When it comes to like a social situation or whatever it might be. Exactly. And and she has these like tiny moments of humanity sneak through when you're like, okay. But then she goes right back to that, that stoic and- Like yeah, militaristic form of it. It's really, really interesting. It's fascinating and I love it. And I feel like it flies under the radar a bit too much, her performance, because it really is a tiny bit of a masterclass, what she's yeah. doing here. Yeah. So Yanrog challenges Danvers to a fair duel, but she just Indiana Joneses him with a photon blast and sends him flying into a, a rock wall. And she's like, I don't have to prove anything to you. I love it. Love it. I have nothing to prove to you. Mwah. Chef kiss. Yeah, goddamn right. She doesn't have anything to prove to anyone. It's so good. So she drags him over to his spaceship, shoves him inside, and sends him back to Hala with a message for the Supreme Intelligence that she's coming to end it. That's a pretty large threat now. Yeah, that's huge. Back on the quad jet, Fury's playing with Goose, just, just messing around, and uh, Goose claws at Fury's face and takes out his left eye. There you go. There it Nick is. Nick Fury, the leader of S.H.I.E.L.D. who put together the Avengers, lost his eye because a cat scratched him. But it's not a cat, it's a flirtkin. But cat scratched it's fever. Cat scratched him. Cat scratch Fury. That's a better song, I'd say. <laughs> I have an actual IMDb trivia fact. Samuel L. Jackson actually improvised the line Mother Flurkin when Nick Fury's eye gets scratched by the alien cat. It is a pun on the actor's favorite word, motherfucker, a word he has never said uncensored as Nick Fury, who disintegrated trying to say the word in Avengers Infinity War. It's a wonderful little touch, and I love it. Yeah, Mother Flurkin. So good. I also have a declined caped trivia fact. Last one, I think, right? I believe so. And now there should, in theory, be no more declined after this, because I'm going to create all the burner accounts, and you, our dear <laughs> listeners, are going to submit as well. Perfect. There's going to be so many approved Cape Trivia Facts. And even if they don't get read on this show, fuck IMDb, we'll just overload them. If your IMDb Trivia Facts are good enough, they end up on the X-Ray Vision fact thing on uh, Amazon Prime. So that's, that's, just my, that's my dream right there. Even better. Like, you have these people like, oh, yeah, I write short stories and want to be published. It's like, no, 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 hold on. I want you to pause while looking at Annette Benedict's face <laughs> and read a weird-ass quote about a pear. Yeah, that's my dream, too. Oh, yeah. It's like when you edit a Wikipedia page and then somebody cites your Wikipedia page and then you can cite their article as proof that the Wikipedia fact is true. It's great. That's the dream. It really is. Disney canceled a spinoff show that was to star Goose and Fury teaming up to solve space crimes. The premise entailed Fury quitting his job at S.H.I.E.L.D. and becoming a P.I. and using his mother's maiden name, Gander, to hide his identity. Disney canceled the project because they said Captain Marvel proved that what is good for the Gander will never be good enough for the Goose. Because sexism and inequality is a real problem in the world. It's all completely true. And it's not on IMDb, but it should be in your head at but all times. But it should be, yeah. Always remember... About the gander and the goose. That's right. And uh, again, we'll get there. The Skrulls take temporary shelter at the Rambo residence, and before Danvers departs Earth with the Skrulls to find them a new home, she hands Fury a modified pager to call her in the event of emergency. 
Because wait, the that's the pager at the end of Infinity War. Oh, it's the thing from Whoa! the thing. It's a connected universe. How about that? While drafting the Protector Initiative, Fury, upon learning that Danvers' call sign was Avenger during her time in the Air Force, renames it to the Avengers Initiative in her honor. And I have an actual IMD trivia fact about that, and it might be my favorite one of the episode. Fire away again! This is exciting! Carol Danvers' pilot call sign is Avenger in the film. In the comics, Danvers took the call sign Cheeseburger. Oh, damn. All right. So yeah, just imagine the Cheeseburger Initiative. Yes, please. 2012, Josh Whedon's The Cheeseburgers. The Cheeseburgers? It's a missed opportunity. <laughs> Cheeseburgers Infinity War. Uh, sign me up, please. I cannot believe that Marvel and Disney fucked up this badly. Right? Give me the cat named Chewy and the Cheeseburger <laughs> Initiative. Man. <laughs> Swing and a miss? You can't win them all. No. All the sayings about fucking up. (laughs) Knowing is half the battle, but it's the not knowing. That's That's the other half. Right. (laughs) We get a mid-credits scene. After Fury's disappearance in the snap, several of the remaining Avengers, Steve Rogers, Natasha Romanoff, Bruce Banner, and Rhodey, analyze Fury's pager at the Avengers compound, you know, in in the present. But the pager suddenly shuts down. As the group discussed trying to find out who Fury was trying to contact, Danvers suddenly appears asking, where's Fury? I think it's terrific. It's, it's so well done. And it's like, yep, I'm just going to fill in that little spot in between the new two movies that probably connects a lot of dots for you. <laughs> it very much did. This whole movie probably filled in a couple post credit sequences. A number of them. You know, Far From Home, WandaVision. <laughs> a lot less guessing now from me. This is terrific. And then, of course, we get a full-on post credits sequence of Goose regurgitating the Tesseract like a hairbell. Hairball. Hairbell. Yep. You, you know. almost made it out without so another close oopsie. To finishing the episode. He regurgitates the Tesseract like a hairball onto Nick Fury's desk. Are you good now? Yeah. You got all the words that you needed? <laughs> good out of is your face? subjective. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, very fair. But that is Captain Marvel from 2019, directed by Anna Bodden and Ryan Fleck. I can't help it. I can't not read his name. <laughs> Ryan Fleck. <laughs> ridiculous. It's just a ridiculous <laughs> last name. It's like, I hope the Flecks are, are a wonderful clan of people, but Ryan Fleck. <laughs> Skin Marsh. Oh, God, that kind of is what it is, isn't it? <laughs> uh, once again, Marvel Studios taking on some relatively unproven directors and hitting it out the park. They absolutely did because this movie's terrific. It is. It absolutely is. It is so much fun. It is so well made. It's not my favorite Marvel movie, but it's not even close to the bottom. This is so enjoyable. Absolutely. And it's almost like sad to think about because this movie did come out one month before Shazam came out on the DC side. And it got review bomb before anyone ever saw it. Yeah, which is absolutely horrendous. What's not horrendous, though, is Zach Levi, Shazam himself, putting out his post of saying, hey, if you're going to bash Captain Marvel, Mar- the MCU movie let I very badly want to see, don't come see my fucking movie. Zach Levi, uh, stand-up guy. He, Oh, God, that's the highest compliment you can get, <laughs> according to Kevin Smith. 
But this became a weird movie that people, I'm not even going to say fought over. It's just that it's one of the first that got like truly review bombed like yes. this. Yeah. Like we heard about it with Last Jedi. People just, oh, I don't like the direction of it. Therefore, fuck it. With this, it was for a totally different reason. Right. It's Brie Larson. Ah, I don't like her and her feminist propaganda. And that's more or less what it was. Because Rotten Tomatoes, 1 in 100. What are you thinking? <sighs> 80? 79. Okay. All right. I want that one extra point. You, you barely missed it. But audience score, what do you think? I don't know because I know they've gone in and changed some things since. But I'm going to say 30. 45, so they haven't changed it all that much. Wow. Roger Ebert did not see this movie because he was too busy doing a Pinewood Derby with Harrison Ford, because Harrison Ford was a carpenter, of course. Before he was an actor, yeah. Exactly. That should be an IMDb trivia fact. But I got a few critics who did see this movie. Anthony Lane from The New Yorker said, Superhero cinema has lectured us ad infinitum on the responsibility that is conferred by extraordinary gifts. Praise be to Larson for reminding us that they can be bringers of fun. Yes, 100%. Hey, a lot of responsibility, also a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Hey, sometimes you can just fly around the sky, blow a bunch of missiles, and have a blast doing it. I had a blast watching it. I get it. Joe Morgenstern from the Wall Street Journal. This review made me furious. Oh, okay. In a Nick Here sort of way. This woman is a candidate for genuine heroism. Yet there's a fundamental dissonance between the depth of her plight and the shallow disorganization of the script. No. Just wrong. I agree, but I've never seen a review start off with this man is a candidate for genuine heroism. Right. And he starts off with this woman is a fuck you, Joe Morgenstern. Like the half the problem around this movie is people not being able to accept a female superhero period and then you start right. out your view with this woman and this then you go into fundamental distance between candidate. depth and plight. Yeah, it's it's completely fucking ridiculous Get is what it here. is. A lot of these reviews made me sick to kind of read because of that and I picked out that yeah. one because Morgan Stern's a well-known critic and he fucked up hard there. Yeah, for sure. And I don't give a shit if you're listening to this going, dude, get off your high horse about feminism and equality. Don't listen to my fucking episode. <laughs> How about that? Bam. Last one I have is from Peter Travers, Rolling Stone. He said, you could ding it for convoluted plotting and a retro style that flattens the usual Marvel fireworks. But a dynamite Brie Larson gives hell to cosmic villains and sexist trolls. And an orange feline named Goose is the best movie cat ever. Period. Full stop. I like that one. I like that one a lot. It's a good recovery from the last one. It is, especially it goes, yeah, plot's kind of fucky. It doesn't really have the same style, but, but it kicks all the asses. Sure does. And on Letterboxd, our good friends there, I only pulled one because, again, this movie got so much unnecessary hate. Sometimes one is all you need. That's right. This is the cock push-up of reviews. <laughs> From March 7th, 2019. For the past 11 years, we thought these various heroes were hot shit, but all it took was Carol Danvers absolutely shattering the glass ceiling with her glowing fists to make the rest of the MCU look like kids in Halloween costumes. And to find out that all along, they've been following her lead without knowing it, that they wouldn't even be the Avengers without her, the galaxy brain of it all. 
Wow. You know, when you put it that way. That is how you stick the landing. Damn. So yeah, she's important. How important? Well, she named the Avengers. And she's been their safety net yeah. for all this time without them having any idea. Right. Like, oh, yeah. You know, we could get an Iron Man. We can get a Captain America. If they fuck up, we still have the pager. We got the pager, and he used the pager. Emergencies only, as she said. And he said, this is a Captain Marvel level emergency. Wow. How about we give this thing a super stuff score? Let's give it a super stuff score. Start off with story and motivation. It's a little all over the place. It is. I feel like a lot of it is in service of not telling the same, like, oh, here's the the hero. Here's how they get their powers. Here's them fighting another person with similar powers, trying to change up the narrative a little bit. I agree with you 100%. I just feel like it was done in a bit of a, as Peter Trevor said, convoluted way. Yeah, yeah. And I think another part of that is the twist with the Skrulls not being the real villains. It's a nice twist. I kind of want to go 0.5 overall. I think that's fair. 0.5. Let's talk about Hero. Let's talk about Hero. I, I want to go with a easy, 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 easy one on this one. Easy one. Because you have a character who is fighting for one side and then is able to see the truth and is able right. to switch, Yeah, which I think is really important. That is huge. But then you also have a character who is coming into her powers in a lot of ways. Right. And you see these powers escalating. She has the photon beams in her hand. She's able to fire them off. And you see her get gradually more powerful. And then she starts kicking everybody's ass. And then she takes out the inhibitor chip. And you yeah, go, it's, holy it's, shit. Oh, wait. She's even stronger than that? Okay. And it turns out she's the strongest by a long shot. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even close. I'm going to go one. One. Absolutely. No argument here. And what Brie Larson does acting-wise with the choice that she makes, a lot of people don't like it. I love it. Yeah, I don't see I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it's actually very well done and subtle. It's a little too subtle sometimes that you can almost catch her acting, which you never want to do. Right. But acting series of choices, she knocks the choice out of the park. Yep. One for Hero. Let's talk about villains. Is it the uh, Star Force, the Jude Law? I guess it's, yeah, it's Yon Rog and, and the Supreme Intelligence and just the Kree in general. I think that it's set up that Captain Marvel can kick all the asses a little too easily. So I feel like the threat isn't the really all that big. The threat gets severely diminished once she removes that inhibitor chip. Right. So the stakes of the movie go downhill very quickly. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. It is unfortunate. I kind of want to go 0.25 because it's just not very large. As much as I like the acting from Jude Law, it just, it, yeah, I mean, I it's think not really a big threat. He does a great job. And I think all of the Cree actors do a, a very good job. It, it's just a, a matter of stakes as villains and, and the stakes. Yeah. Yeah. 0.25. Sorry, Annette Benning. <laughs> I forgot she was in this. I did it. I never will. It's weird. <laughs> Let's talk about parents. No, we have no idea. Zero. We see her dad in some flashbacks, and that's it. Yeah, he's very mean. And Also, she has a brother that never gets mentioned again. Right. We don't know if they're dead or alive, but they got to be dead to get a full point here. So that is a zero. Now let's talk about female characters. Yeah, let's start at two. Let's start at two, because wow. Wow, wow, wow. It's not even that 
her performance is great, which it is. It's that it's so brave to even take this role on. Oh, yeah. Knowing that you are legitimately walking into fire. Right. And it's almost a lose-lose. And you're sort of having to forge the path for a lot of these characters going forward, like the Black Widow character or the right. Wanda character. It, it's it's really, I mean, sh- painting, almost painting a target on your back and taking the abuse so the people behind you will have an easier time. And that in itself, like outside of the plot of the movie and everything, that is a heroic move. It is. And do you think that little golden bald boy that she won the year before helped? I mean, I don't think it hurt her. I think that's fair. <laughs> I want to up it to 2-5. 2-5. I mean, once you add in your Annette Benning and your Lashana Lynch, and yeah. I Lashana think Lynch crushes this movie. She's so good. 2-5 for female characters. Take that, Wonder Woman. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it's different because it's a DC versus MCU type thing. Yes. Unfortunately. Wonder Woman was going to have a hard time either way, but I feel like at the MCU, how it was established this deep into it, it was yeah. going to have a much tougher time. Oh, you're 21 movies in and now you're going to have a lead a lead woman character? Okay. Yeah, that's a long time, isn't it? It's a, uh, yeah. So, you know, overdue, but well done when they finally did it. Absolutely. Let's talk about setting. It's the 90s. It is the 90s, and it feels like the 90s. The music choices, the clothing, the... Video games? There's so many video game references in this movie. It's insane. There are, but this takes place in Los Angeles, and you could have told me it took place anywhere. I would have believed you. Yeah, honestly, I did not know it took place in Los Angeles until I read that somewhere. Point five for the 90s. Point five for the 90s. Style and tone. It's the 90s. Once again, I can't believe we're back to that. Yeah, hey, it is the 90s. I think the thing that sticks out most about this movie for me is the tone of it. I was going to say, like, stylistically, there's nothing really standing out, but but tonally, it has an interesting take. It does, because it is, again, coming off of Infinity War. Right. So everyone's already completely down in the dumps. Whenever you think of something that's fun within the MCU, you're not really thinking Thor at this point yet, but you're thinking Ant-Man for the most part. Right. But Ant-Man, Ant-Man I mean, is a big time Ragnarok was fun, but it's it's not cemented, really. Yeah, Ragnarok, a lot of people kind of thought was going to be like a one-off type thing. And right, it still felt pretty recent. And yeah. yeah. So Ant-Man and Guardians. Yeah, man, that's a bit tricky because they're fun on a totally different scale. Right. Because those are actors and a cast that you know to be fun. You wouldn't see them doing a more serious role, whereas Brie Larson is kind of right. thrust into this spot tonally of... Fun needs to happen around me. I kind of need to be the straight person this entire movie, and fun needs to happen outside of me. Yeah. I mean, she has a, a few moments, but for the most part, she is she's the straight person, and everybody around her is like, ah, joke em ups. I kind of want to go point five. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's because the style is what it is. It's fine. Tonally, though, yeah. really interesting. Different, for sure. Point five. Music. A lot of really great choices in the soundtrack on this movie. The soundtrack is phenomenal. I really enjoy the soundtrack and the score uh, by Pinar Toprak. Yeah, it's fine. I can't hum a single note of it, but that Nirvana yeah. hit with Supreme Intelligence towards oh, the end of so it, good. it lands so well of Come As You Are. Yeah. Oh, fucking beautiful. And, the, um, and the, the I'm Just a Girl, no doubt, during the fight was a little heavy-handed, but in the best way. Yeah, so I kind of want to go 
again, a point five. I yeah. wish the score had a bit more to it, but the score, yeah, I mean, it's good, but it doesn't. There's nothing that stands out except for the one moment on the subway when she walks past Stan and they give that little flourish, and you're like, ah, I see what it's you're nice. doing here. That was very but, nice. Yeah, I think point five is appropriate. One liners. Mother Flurkin's terrific. Mother Flurkin's very good. I give you fifty dollars right now to turn into a Venus flytrap. I really enjoyed. That's not going to ever get said ever again, though. No, probably not. Uh, higher, further, faster, baby. Again, fine. Probably not. Remember that one. That one kind of stands out. Point two five. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, does uh, announcing your identity on clothing help with the covert part of your job? Yeah, that's actually really good with the hat, the shield logo. I like I that think quite it, a bit. It's a good bet. Not really a one liner. No. Hey, if I played the same pinball machine for six years, I'd have some high scores, too. (laughs) Nick Fury, nonstop in this movie. No, he's fired away. Which is so funny because, like, the rest of the MCU, he's the straight man. Which, you know, he learned from Brie. Again, damn it, this movie. Uh, Like, you know, let's talk about impact on the genre, why don't we? Let's do that, and let's talk about a Billy, because this made a Billy. It did make a Billy. $160 million budget. Opening weekend, it pretty much made it back. Huge. Huge. And this is after all of the incessant trolling and review bombing. It was like, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and make a Billy. Shut up. Get out of here. $1.1 billion. That's enormous. Huge. Huge. Obviously, the hype around Captain Marvel coming back for Endgame was through the roof. Yeah. Because you realize that as a fan, your heroes have a chance finally. Hey, we have a new weapon. And then there were a bunch of people who were like, she's going to just come in and swoop in and win the day and it's going to be boring. It's like, no, sir. Because yes, sir. It wasn't women saying that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they just have a new tool in the arsenal. That's all it is. Just a very powerful tool. It's an extremely powerful tool. But again, Trailblazer within the MCU. Big time. Uh, within comic book movies in general. I don't want to take away from Wonder Woman. No, shouldn't. But the MCU is its own monster, as it's proven at this point. We're so deep within it, and what this movie does is enormous. So full-blown one, done. Full-blown one. And just just to put the icing on the cake, Rotten Tomatoes had changed their policy after this movie came out to no longer accept reviews and ratings for a film that had not yet been released. You know what? We talk about Rotten Tomatoes all the time here, so 1.25. 1.25 for the impact on the genre. I think that is appropriate. It's going to give Captain Marvel a total score of 7.25. We absolutely nailed it. Absolutely. Anyone who thinks differently, yeah, it's arbitrary. Who gives a damn? Yep, exactly. It means (laughs) nothing, but you know what? We got it right. Yeah, high five to you, bud. High five. You know it. You don't know it. That's the battle. We fought the battle, and I feel like we all won at the end. Brian, why don't you tell our fine listeners what we're talking about next week? Well, we did mention Garfield earlier and say we'd get there. So let's get there next week. We're moving from the 80s to the 90s to the early aughts with Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties. Yeah, I can't believe we're doing this. We went, <laughs> we went from back-to-back Pedro Pascalis to back-to-back Orange Cats. Yeah, not planned. Just sort of happened that way when we scheduled it all. And next week, hopefully, it makes your Monday a little better when uh, the episode comes out and you won't hate Mondays as much. Yeah, maybe it'll be like, hey, Garfield hates Mondays for me, so I don't have to. Exactly. We're really just doing a public service at this point. Right. So next week, Garfield, a tale of two kitties. Until then, thank you for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Join us on Patreon this month for being John Malkovich. Email us your questions and comments to capepodcasters at gmail.com. Go check out our website, 
capepodcasters.com. Go check out our merch on there. And you can follow us on social media at Kate Podcasters. On Facebook, we always put up a post on the day we're recording asking for your questions and comments. And we got a couple. Bill Hudson Hawkins wants to know, what is a best boy? <laughs> I'm going to let you take this one because I don't know. It's a very appropriate question. I always say, hey, you got any questions or comments about the movie or for the show? And this qualifies for the show. So a best boy is like whenever Timmy falls down a well and like you have a good boy and the dog goes and gets help and now he gets promoted. He's best boy. It's a promotion from good boy. All right. That makes sense. No, a best boy is the assistant to the grip or the lighting department because you have your lead grip or your gaffer who are constantly working with the DP or the director and they got to pass along and their info to the rest of the crew so they bring off the best boy. They tell him how to do it. So he's kind of come here. He's running the show in a lot of ways for those departments. That's all it is. Oh, well, that boy's the best. He's the best boy. It's the <laughs> cockiest name on set for sure. <laughs> You're the assistant to the grip and gaffer. Get out of here. Best I'm the best boy. boy. <laughs> My mommy told me I'm the best boy. That's fun. And Captain Spoiler, appropriate he wrote in, being a captain himself. For this movie. Oh, yeah. Captain Spoiler, Micah wrote in. He said, was Blockbuster your go-to or did you have another place you frequented? Blockbuster was my go-to until I moved to a town that had a really good independent small video store. What was it called? Uh, Olympic Video. That's boring. That's not very good. Like, I grew up in a small town and my store was called Video Views. Oh, which is very views. good. And it had the proper curtain in the back. Well, you got to have the curtained room. That's why you go to the independent one instead of the blockbuster. Exactly. But I worked at a Hollywood video. I mean, oh, yeah. obviously it was my go-to for a long time. Sure. Not as cool as blockbuster. I'm sorry. I guess not. I don't know. I could like smell the vinyl coming off of like those weird fake covers on the VHS tapes <laughs> like still. That is burned in there for forever. Man, th those things opened in such a weird way. It was like, I don't know how to describe it, but. It's like a clamshell. If a clamshell took the short bus. Yep. Exactly that. I'll describe it for you. I don't mind. I like it. Bill, Micah, thank you. Everybody, thank you for listening. Brian, you got anything else? That's it for me. Fantastic. Next week, we're going to be back with Garfield, <laughs> A Tale of Two Kitties. Same flirking time. Same mother flirting.